I was home alone for the week, as my family had gone on vacation while I had to stay and work. It was around 2 a.m., and I'd stayed up to watch a scary movie in the dark in my basement. I was intent on really scaring myself and seeing how far into terror I could really go, while still knowing I was safe in my own room. It was then that I heard pounding footsteps on the first door. This was a common annoying occurrence when my family was home. Every time they passed through the front hallway past the basement door, I heard their footsteps. This time, fear immediately shot through me at the sound. My reflex was to turn the television off immediately. The basement door was up a flight of steps and around a corner, so whoever it was would not have seen any light. I heard the basement door handle click and turn as I sat in absolute darkness. I moved slowly as to be absolutely silent and crawled behind our large television. As I passed it inch by inch, I noted with panic that its black screen still dimly glowed. I heard footsteps coming down the carpeted, but creaky stairs. I froze in my hiding place, listening. For many long minutes, I heard nothing. Had the intruder seen the television's afterglow? Or had it faded in time? Was he standing in the pitch dark listening for me? I seemed to lie there in total silence for an, for a long time. My panic began to fade, and I began to think more clearly. Had I really heard an intruder? Could someone possibly be standing there in silence for so long without making any noise? The basement was so exceedingly quiet that the silence itself began to hurt my ears. Could the unknown person really avoid any noise from shuffling or breathing or anything else? If there was an intruder, he was still in the basement because the creaky stairs were incredibly loud. The door handle clicked, and he wouldn't know to mask his footsteps on the first floor so that they couldn't be heard down there. I began counting in my head trying to pass the time as drool fell from my mouth onto the carpet. I didn't dare risk the sound of swallowing. I reached 60 seconds once, twice, 30 times, 60 times. By now my fear had faded and I was more confused than anything. I estimated I had been crouched in the absolute black for almost two hours and it still heard nothing. If there was an intruder, none of this made sense. Finally, I decided I'd have to make a move. If I did nothing, eventually the sun would come up and shine in through the small basement windows, and worse, I began to smell something horrible. Slowly, ever so slowly, I began inching my way towards the stairs by way of the walls. If someone was standing there in the dark, I should be able to go around them and then make a break up the stairs. Meanwhile, the horrible odor grew stronger. Had something died down here in the night? No living person would smell like that. Terrible images of some sort of corpse monster listening for me in the dark erupted in my thoughts. And I moved as fast as I could without making a sound. Just as I finally approached the stairs, there was an enormous clatter, as of something falling or collapsing on the floor. It was at that moment I leapt forward and crashed up the stairs, running out through the open basement door and my wide open front door. Now certain that someone was in the house, I called the police from my cell phone and watched my house from afar. The police came, checked inside the house, and then grimly came back 
out to question me. They'd found a body in the house. My elderly neighbor, who seemed to have died of a heart attack. Their belief was that I must have left the front door unlocked and he must have wandered in my house while dying looking for help. At first I felt horrible, thinking that I sat there in the dark while the old man literally died a few feet away. Then it occurred to me. What the hell was that loud noise of things falling? That last prompted me to bolt up the stairs and out of the house. I asked the police and they confirmed the back door of my house had been left open as well, near a single bare footprint in the mud. Somehow, for some reason, I'll never know. There was someone else in that basement with us, silent, waiting, and listening in the dark over the fresh corpse of an old man. A few years ago, I received a random text, a photo, actually, with no accompanying words. This is not the exact photo, but it was the same idea. Cute, odd, puzzling, but not alarming. The number was from out of state. I live in Arizona, and the number was from Atlanta. I didn't know anyone from Atlanta, but I strangely knew the area code because it's 404, like the not found error on the internet. I had looked it up several years earlier because that's the sort of person I am. The next day, I replied back with a photo of the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, which I happened to drive by as it was parked in Scottsdale. A few days later, another photo came back in reply, a lit firecracker held in feminine fingers. I waited a few days before sending a long exposure photo I'd taken of a friend, waving a sparkler in a spiral. I didn't think much of it. In my head, I explained it away as someone who was bored, perhaps someone a bit like me who enjoyed a little mystery. Over five months or so, we exchanged photos wordlessly over every few days. I mean, at some points it seemed perhaps hesitantly flirtatious, despite the fact that I didn't know the gender of the person at the other end. I sent a photo of a bag of generic fruity pebbles and received back a photo of a gallon of 2% milk. Received a picture of a Lego minifig and, re and replied with an empty 48 by 48 plate. One day, I received a photo of a road sign, now leaving Georgia, followed shortly by entering Alabama. I replied almost immediately with the city limits sign for where I live, as I was almost right by when the Alabama picture came through. You may be ahead of me at this point. Now leaving Alabama was blurry, and now entering Mississippi was worse. Now leaving Mississippi never came, but now entering Louisiana came faster than I thought possible. Texas came half a day later. It was more than a day later when I got New Mexico. Then Arizona. Okay, could be just passing through. My city limits sign. It was recognizably the same sign, though a different time of day. I stopped replying after my photo of the city limits sign. Never got another photo. I changed jobs soon after that, and my cell phone was owned by my employer. I didn't ask if I could keep the number. Around 6 a.m. one January morning, my mom called me saying she had seen a dead black cat on the road right behind our house while leaving for work. Gary was always an outdoor cat, 
and because he didn't have a litter box and we didn't want to be woken up, we threw him out overnight, every night. This particular morning, he hadn't shown up for breakfast, which had never happened before in ten years. My dad and I feared the worst. We walked out onto the road behind our house and sure enough, there's a dead tuxedo cat lying right in the center, body still warm. I had a hard time looking at it, but there was no doubt in either of our minds that it was Gary. He had a characteristic millimeter-thin white streak of fur on his nose. One of his ears was cut up at the top from a fight he was in years back. I checked the bottom of his paws and saw the familiar pink and black markings. We brought him to the backyard, dug about three feet down, wrapped him in one of my old t-shirts, piled the dirt back on, and then covered the spot with a heavy stone slab. Fast forward to 8 p.m. I'm walking towards the kitchen past my front door, and I thought I heard a meow. I was sure I was imagining it in my grief, so I ignored it for the time being. Around 9 p.m., I walk past the front door again. This time my dad is in the living room watching television. I hear a meow again, and this time glance at my father and notice he's looking at the door as well. Fully expecting to be horribly disappointed, I open the door, and in walks scary. Not a scratch or speck of dirt on him. In over ten years living at that house, we had never seen another cat, much less a completely identical tuxedo cat. We put a message in our neighborhood newsletter, but no one ever came forward saying that we had buried their cat. And before anyone asks, no, I never dug up the grave. When the world was ending, my father was the first to act. He recognized the signs years before most and built an underground haven. As countries were closing their borders, he took his family to the bunker. I came along two years later, followed by my sister, Bo. Growing up, I desperately wanted to see the surface, but father refused. It wasn't safe. The world would be unhabitable until I turned 14. Eventually, it became clear he hadn't stocked enough provisions. Even when trying to ration it, food grew scarce. One day, Grandpa disappeared. That night, Father presented us with meat. No one questioned where it came from. We knew. Yet, still, we ate. The hunger was sated for a while. Next, it was my uncle who went missing, and then my cousin. Then Mother. Soon, it was just me, Bo, and Father. Only a month left, and all of the food was gone. But was sleeping when father told me what to do. He handed me the knife laying upon the table. He took the pills. That night as we ate, I could only taste my tears. The day finally came. My heart fluttered as we made the slow track up the stairs. The creak of heavy metal deafened me as I dragged the door open. Light flooded my vision. A rushing sound meeting my ears surprising me. According to the maps, the tunnel should have exited near the city entrance, not a river. What did I hear? What I saw when my vision cleared caused my heart to fall into my shoes. 
I had seen pictures of cars and I recognized them rocketing by. Lights, cars, people. That was when I realized the world never ended.